right, everyone. Welcome to Explaining to Austin, the number one podcast that has abandoned any sort of, uh, you know, usual format as well as schedule. Uh, you know, it's just it. All I can say about this show now is that it's a podcast and that it does come out occasionally. And that's about it. Uh, it's me, one of your hosts, Peyton, a.k.a. the Hunter S. Thompson of being trans. Uh, and today I'm not joined by my usual co-host, Austin. Uh, I, who knows what Austin is up to right now? Who knows what that lovable oaf gets up to when unsupervised? I'm sure he's into some sort of shenanigans or such, but he's not here right now. Instead, in a very exclusive, uh, very important, very special interview, we have with us Molly O'Brien, who is one half of the podcast about the preeminent musicians of yesterday and today and writings uh, by and about said musicians uh, and introducing. She's also a video creator uh, right now for the uh, shoot. I'm forgetting what the name is. That's cool. The the, the alternative. Alter- alternative. That's right. It's a pretty vague name, you know. It's like more of a more of yeah. an idea. The alternative, uh, which yes, they do put out some some very interesting and and good videos on uh, indie music and different artists right now, and she makes videos for that, and as well as just uh, being a general uh, online lady, you know how it is. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the show, Molly. It's it's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here and thrilled to be referred to as an online lady because that that is how I identify at the end of the day. I've been online for so so long at this point that it's basically the it's basically who I am. So one one of the few the proud the 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 online ladies. Well, yeah, uh, exactly. So first things first, first question, probably the most important question I'll ask mm. today. Uh is Mary your actual middle name, or is that just like an internet moniker thing you throw between Molly O'Brien? It is. That's my real middle name. Uh, that's my maternal grandmother's name, uh, God rest her soul. I used to not like that as a middle name and would have preferred something else, and then I leaned in. And uh, also, I, uh, I'm, you know, SEO, search engine optimization, is a thing and uh there's a star trek character named molly o'brien who is like oh that a is small true. child that's true uh, <laughs> i hadn't yeah. even thought of that yeah wow. and yeah. so you know if i can do anything to i'm pretty sure the seo question is it's 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 long gone now but uh it does help a little bit in the in the search uh, uh searches if you search molly mary o'brien because if you search molly o'brien um you will find a lot of star trek forums and and wikis etc sure and you want to differentiate yeah. yourself from a space child definitely yeah i do i mean i do and i don't it's funny actually i tweeted about that recently and then someone kind of uh i would i, I think you could call it a snitch tag snitch tag the actress that played <laughs> the Molly O'Brien and uh, she got up in my mentions and she was very nice. She was very sweet. Oh, that's uh, but I was just like, Oh no, I'm just, I'm glad she didn't get mad that I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you, and Star- I, don't, I don't want it to be Star Trek snitch tag. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, yeah. I, when you search Peyton Brock, 
besides me, the main other thing that comes up is like football news specifically related to Peyton Manning. And then there's some coach or something whose first name is Brock, who I guess uh. either coached or was somehow connected to Peyton Manning. And so it's like it brings that up. But as far as I know, I'm the only Peyton Brock with that actual name that does stuff online at least you, you just got to keep grinding until you are more popular than peyton manning and and that brock guy well he peyton manning's retired so you know i'm already you know i've got that going for me yeah so. he's gonna be he's gonna be lost to the sands of time in like three years yeah people, people forget there's there's so many commentators now that are former guys so he'll definitely just fall into the chasm among them um yeah. Anyway, today, uh, you know, I'm not explain. Austin's not here. I'm not explaining to him. Instead, we're flipping the format. It's going to kind of be Molly explains to Peyton uh, a very interesting topic that I first was introduced to. I, I don't remember if it was something said online, but then I remember at some point, either on Anne introducing or on your Twitter, uh, you talking about it and being fascinated at the term, not really sure what it meant and, and kind of having a vague, uh, you know, search to find out more about it. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the topic being the so-called cultural period and or movement of indie sleaze and if it's coming back and if not, and, and in general, what is the current culture shifting towards in terms of, uh, an aesthetic and, uh, and a vibe, so I'm very excited to talk about this. That's <laughs> all I think about. As am I, since you know, I'm just uh, you know, I'm a little baby in in many ways in terms of the internet. You know, I YouTube was you know, I I joined YouTube when I was in elementary school. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> thankfully, all of those videos are privated now, uh, but I do have them. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel like I was, I was still very much a child during this so-called indie sleaze period, but, uh, with vague awareness of, of the culture around it, you know, being Mm -hmm. a kid when it happened and now looking back, uh, many questions that I have for you here today and just wanting to learn, wanting to, you know, wanting to get your wisdom about this movement. I love it. I in in all seriousness, uh, I'm I'm 32 years old, and uh, talking to people who are younger and getting the like weird cross section uh, like perspectives on like what happened and when is actually one of my favorite things. The older I get, so I'm I'm down to clown on this. Great, exactly 10 years uh, ahead of me. I'm 22, so. Oh my goodness! Uh, it is a real. Do you identify generation. as a gen a Gen Z or are you like a, See, a zillennial? As they I say? I have no fucking clue. I'm all. I feel like <laughs> this question's posed all the time, and I have no clue because technically That's so Gen Z of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, I was born in '99, and like uh-huh. you know, I didn't even hear the term Gen Z until I was like you know, obviously like a teenager. And so, yeah, I, I'm either, like, barely, like, only via, like, the fine print text, a mm-hmm. millennial, or, like, the the oldest, most decrepit Gen Z. <laughs> As you, you know, what one of my uh, good buds via the internet and real life is uh, Matthew Perpetua, who, uh, he runs a Flux blog, which is an early MP3 
blog from kind of the cusp of this time of like what indie sleaze might be called now. Uh, and he, you know, his, his thoughts, are, he's basically like a cusp Gen X millennial. And so like, I think that the cusp areas are the most interesting to me. I'm a mm-hmm. diehard run of the mill, like straight down the middle millennial. So whenever people have a little bit more uh, brackets on either edge, I'm, I'm always interested in that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So it- very interesting uh, generational dynamic here. So let's jump into <laughs> this uh, moment of cultural learning between generations. Great. Uh, to give myself a bit of at least framework and or you know knowledge so that I wasn't asking questions completely blind, I will say I read the very first thing on Google search results for Indie Sleaze when I searched it, which is this article... Great from Harper's Bazaar from January 12th uh, of this year uh, about the return of Indie Sleaze or Indie Sleaze style. And I'll first say, I've never gotten that name of Harper's Bazaar. It's like, why does a white bitch named Harper have a bazaar? Uh, (laughs) I would understand if it was like, you know, Muhammad's Bazaar or like Abdul or something. Harper, I don't think no one named Harper should have a bazaar. Yeah, maybe Harper's Boutique or Harper's, like, um, Saturday pop-up at the um, Brooklyn Flea or something. Yeah, if there's not spice in the air and and fresh meats and and bread being sold, it ain't a bazaar. Yeah. Regardless, uh, I use this article kind of as framework. So let Mm -hmm. me tell you, I wrote, like, a little, like, one sentence of what my understanding, based on this article and general cultural osmosis of what Indie Sleaze is, and from there, you can correct and, you know, uh, annotate that as you like, okay? Wonderful. Great. So this is what I have. Indie sleaze was a late 2000s, early 2010s cultural trend that focused on eclectic and maximalist clothing, uninhibited partying, and a general carefree attitude. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. That's a, actually, I was trying to think of how to encapsulate it if you had asked me on the pod and i think that's as good enough as any of a of a place to start that's my ap test thesis statement on indie (laughs) sleaze ap indie sleaze uh, course your document-based question or uh yeah uh as as they say that's yeah yeah, that that sounds right to me uh i I would add maybe like because i i was thinking about this on like a larger level of like what i was like why and where did this come from and i do think a lot of it was like enabled by consumer technology and you could say that that was anything from like point and shoot cameras that you would bring to the party and take these like kind of horrible flash photos that you would then post on myspace uh you know ipods that you could then bring to your ipod djing gig while real (laughs) djs stared at you judgmentally because you were djing off an ipod and a, a macbook laptop instead of um, I don't know what a DJ Serato, the decks. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think that that would be the only other like thing that I would add to how, how indie sleaze got started in the first place is that I think a lot of it was actually like technology and internet enabled. And that turned it into a sort of cultural aesthetic meme that, that passed along. Very interesting. Um, but, but you would agree that it is like, in terms of the uh, the the clothing style, eclectic yes. and maximalist. Yes, absolutely. Okay, uh, good. Um, <laughs> glad we have that that basis down. So I, I, 
in these articles I did note in or this article I noticed um this towards the beginning it it kind of did this flip where uh it first it started off by talking about like you know hipster culture and then it like flips and mm-hmm. starts talking about indie sleaze so what I wanted yeah. to ask is is this is indie sleaze you know quotation marks around it just a rebranding and or intellectualizing of what used to be just known as like hipster culture or style i do i do and yeah i think i think i was first aware of the indie sleaze like revival slash uh yeah I, I, i guess that's what they're calling it there was like a dazed article where uh that cited this tiktoker who i think is someone around my age maybe a little bit older um i think her at is like old loser in brooklyn yes <laughs> um, this article cites like that reporter. as well great yeah she does she does these kind of like selfie video trend report things and i think she was one of the ones who maybe put her finger on the pulse but yeah it back in the day it used to just be the hipster uh and the hipster was something to make fun of uh, the main thing I remember about hipster culture is that if someone pointed at you and said that you were a hipster, you were supposed to deny it. Like it was like a, uh, <laughs> like a, a, just an automatic reflex of like a non-identification of the thing. Um, but yeah, it's the it, it, uh, Brooklyn, New, New York City hipster, LA hipster culture, which now I think is getting now with the um, uh, a little more t- perspective and history and now that you know more things have happened and like politically that i guess that's what they because at the time it was not called indie sleaze it was just right. it was just sleaze it wasn't i don't even think it, it was even sleaze it was just what what was happening on a, any given day sure and like with hipster like even i knew like as a kid like in middle school or whatever you know like that was a thing you were people were aware of like being yeah. a hipster and like for the most part it always had a negative connotation yes. uh like you know it's like you know now like oh all the millennial jokes about avocado toast and and whatever there was those jokes but about hipsters yeah. uh and it was you know very kind of like boomer humor oh these hipster young kids it was kind of almost before millennial bashing it was like hipster bashing totally it was kind of yeah. you know the precursor almost I remember, you know, to give a little context for me, I, I feel like I didn't I didn't experience, I would say, like peak indie sleaze because I was in like high school and college when this was happening. And by the time I like got out into the real world, uh, it had kind of, it had kind of died to which I would say thanks, Obama. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the time, I remember one of the hipster uh, like totems was PBR Pabst Blue Ribbon beer right and I I heard so much about it of like oh these hipsters and you know they're at their dive bars and they're drinking their PBR and I was like oh yeah totally and then I you know went out into the world and I was like yes it is simply the cheapest beer <laughs> this, is, this is what I can afford to drink this is not like a this is not a statement of any kind it just doesn't cost any money that's why I'm drinking it right uh, fun fact co-host normally of this show Austin loves PBR that's one of his loves PBR go-to favorite drinks and you know he's like a trained you know like chef who has like you know uh, what i would consider you know a good palate and like enjoys finer <laughs> alcohol and drinks and stuff too but he loves pbr i i don't yeah. i guess because it's cheap and because it he thinks it tastes good yeah it's almost more like a seltzer in a way but yeah i, I, I can <laughs> it's barely it, beer it's like the yeah. lowest qualifying bar for beer yeah 
it's like it's a it was almost a white claw before yeah. before that was a thing so bread flavored white claw <laughs> yeah i respect um, it so i guess you know so what i'm getting sort of almost is that you know because i don't think anyone now would like to be labeled or like to label anyone else necessarily hipster that kind of still yeah. has a stint to it. So this whole indie sleaze, you know, name and an idea and kind of recategorizing kind of almost feels like a, a a positive spin or rebranding on 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 hipster, you know, culture or or what was perceived as being hipster. Yeah, I th- I think that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm glad that that feels like a major key to this whole thing that until today I hadn't really put together um yeah which is very interesting and i think there's something to be said about how like you know these trends of the past that were given you know a negative connotation are then reevaluated down the line like i'm thinking for instance you know obviously at the height of you know disco in the in the 70s mm. in the late 70s you know it, there was a huge stigma you know, it, as much as it was popular, of course, there was the huge backlash, you know, from from rock people. And there was the whole disco demolition night thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can talk about the the undertones of that coming from, you know, cis white guys being upset or whatever. But then, you know, later down the line with like electronic music and techno, there was this kind of, you know, reappraisal of disco or revival almost to, that, that made it cool again and made it like, you know kind of in the same way that indie sleaze is like rehabilitating hipster. Yeah. I yeah, I think removed from the messiness of also being in there cuz I also think like the hipster was related kind of in the same way of the the socio-political uh stuff related to disco. Hipster was very much like a gentrification aesthetic. Like right. it was what people were wearing and doing while they were moving into Williamsburg and driving up rents. Uh, but now all the rents are already driven up. Like it's impossible. Like there, there's almost nowhere to gentrify anymore. So everyone can just revisit the aesthetic yeah. with impunity. Like that's all, that's how it feels. All the like, gent- we got new problems now. All the gentra has been fied. Yeah, all, it's just it's just vacation. Yeah. Uh, at this point. <laughs> I wanted to go back that that person that cited both in this Harper's Bazaar article and then in that other one you were talking about the on TikTok that person yeah um it, it quotes in it and I and it quotes them in this and I actually did skim that dazed article but a lot of it seemed to be the same as this one so I've just focused yep. on this one um but I, I did notice in both of those it quoted her saying one of this in this kind of I guess pissed me off but uh <laughs> signifiers of so-called indie sleaze coming back was that some celebrity or model or someone was spotted wearing wired headphones and that oh is like God. indie sleaze is back because of that and and I'm just going to say I don't get that at all. I use wired headphones. <laughs> I have I have a pair they're actually pretty good brand of of wired headphones you can get for like 25 bucks online and I just yeah. put them in my pocket so that, you know, when I'm out and about, if I want to, you know, listen to music or, you know, a high quality podcast uh, product like and introducing, 
uh, plug. <laughs> uh, I I can just plug them into my you know phone and and listen, and I don't have to worry about them getting beat up or getting lost because they're not ninety nine dollar Bluetooth right. headphones. They're just twenty five buck you know wired things. Yeah, uh, I I actually completely agree. I that's the kind of noticing of tre- or revealing of trends that I wasn't aware of that makes me feel completely insane and like you know I like to I like to know what's going on I like to try to keep my finger on the pulse if I can if I can help it and when I hear about like a whole formulation of a trend like apparently wired headphones are like the other and something to like you know to set you apart apparently if you use them I'm like I feel like I'm living in a completely different universe than some people which I guess I am maybe that's the point right but, uh it is it is somewhat upsetting because I you know I'm like when when did airpods become the default that's yeah. That's weird. I it, don't know. It says, yeah, it's the person, Mandy Lee, who's the TikTok person, cited an, ex, an ob- obscene amount of evidence, not just <laughs> obscene amount of evidence, <laughs> that the aesthetic is coming back, citing a paparazzi photo of Bella Hadid sporting wired headphones. Oh, my God. I mean, I guess that makes sense in terms of, you know, it's Bella Hadid and she can afford airpods that she could lose like you know like 25 dollars headphones and it not be a big deal uh so i don't know maybe for her it is more of a fashion statement if so (laughs) that is a weird ass fashion statement thing to go with i don't know yeah i agree (laughs) oh god that you you know what it reminds me of the i i brought this up on another i guess i only have so many podcast anecdotes but uh on uh my podcast and introducing we had the uh guys who run the jokerman podcast which is about bob dylan specifically like weird eras of bob dylan that Mm -hmm. don't get enough love and i i had recalled i was a big rolling stone reader and it was around the time that ipods came out as like a thing and they had that iconic like the the white like did they call them just earbuds was that yeah i guess <laughs> I, th- I think it was earbuds as yeah. opposed to airpods yeah but not airbud which is the golden <laughs> the golden retriever yeah. that it's port. but uh i guess bob dylan was then known for like once he got his ipod he would be like hoodie up like hood up on his hoodie with his uh uh, earbuds in his ears and the, you it was like a clear sign that he like didn't want to talk to everyone so you could see those white cords from like a mile away uh, and uh so yeah. maybe there's something to, to that too of like you know rather than someone mistaking you for someone who can hold a conversation the wires are just like nope i'm busy yeah. i'm listening to my podcast don't talk to me i don't yeah maybe it's yeah maybe it's like the more like uh you know how like it, there was that perception in you know this similar kind of period that like oh people who wear like bluetooth headsets are like douchebags yeah Uh, of course so like maybe it's sort of like that but for 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 headphones or earphones where it's like (laughs) oh look at that jerk off in their in their airpods and i have experienced that where someone's like talking to someone on the phone on the airpods and i'll think that like they're talking to me because like by you know their arms are down they don't look like they're on the phone and it's super like it it, 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 it's kind of frustrating because it's like it's weird like I, I can't tell you're on the phone yeah it's an uncanny human interaction yeah um so okay well i'm glad we're of the same mind about how i don't understand the wired headphones being the the no the the signifier of our times that no. the, the, the change has come um yeah. From that, I I wanted to to bring something up because Molly, I must admit, there, I made a realization 
you know, preparing for this podcast and mm. it shook me to my core. It it, okay. it chilled me, it sent a shiver down my spine. All right. And I'll and I'll tell you what it is because I think there is a chance. I it, if just in music preference may unintentionally be indie sleaze and have been this whole time. Okay. And didn't know it. All right. Solely what kind because, of music are we talking? Solely because of my music tastes. And I'll say All this. Right. I have like, there are like definitely under 50 music artists, maybe under 30, that I like listen to on like a heavy regular basis. I like a lot of music okay. in general, but I'm I'm very like, I'm someone who just listens to like full albums of like the 30 or so artists they like over and yeah. over. Um, Great. And in these artists, I feel that many of them might be categorized. So tell me what you think. So these are just some I wrote down off the top of my head. First off, uh, Daft Punk. Yes, great. (laughs) Uh, Then Justice and in general, the rest of the artists from Ed Banger Records. Oh yeah, 100%. Ed Ed Banger is, I think even more than, like Daft Punk I think can fit in that general vibe and category, especially like a lot of the things that they were doing that were big deals were at the time of indie sleaze. Like they basically changed festival staging forever when they did the like 2000, I think it was 2007, the alive tour right. with the gigantic like pyramid and shit. And that then basically invented Coachella. Right. <laughs> no, I know Coachella uh, existed before like that, that invented like the spectacle of what like music festival really was, but Ed banger. I mean, come on. That's the, that's the sleaze. That's the real yeah. sleazy part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they, they are outright, uh, stated in this article as being like a a signifier and it's weird to me because like i i guess maybe because i missed like their real heyday in this period because like now like they're this to me they're this very niche record company that like most people i talk to like aren't really aware of unless they're really into like electronic music um yeah so yeah okay let me continue uh with the rest of these but I, yeah, I, I get, I understand what you're saying, where it does seem like Ed Banger is kind of like a, a pinnacle. Um, but then also I have stuff like Gorillaz, uh, mm-hmm. Death from Above, 1979. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. LCD Sound System. Yep. Okay. Great. So I, I, I think that it, we can conclude are, that, yeah. that this whole time the call is coming from inside the house. Because the, call is coming from the, the indie sleaze music taste has been coming from inside the me the whole time, and I didn't know it. <laughs> well, these are all like you know to try to uh, to la- lasso all of these. Uh, it's it's not just you know I would like rock rock music, dance music, dance rock music. I think you could say generally, but like this certain kind of I think there's an overarching aesthetic that like fits into that time period of like it's not just about it's sleaze is somewhat channeled in a lot of that stuff and whether it's like i don't know for i'm trying to i'm trying to think of like individual musical elements that you could categorize as sleazy and i keep thinking of cowbell (laughs) (laughs) i feel like if you like throw a cowbell in your song like you you kind of mean business yeah or like that certain like tone of synth that lcd sound system used in their early songs that was kind of sounded like someone was like grinding like an organ really crunchy 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 synth yeah and uh you know also a lot you know 
justice for example this is a part of a wider category of types of music that i want to come back and that i would encourage i would encourage to come back if it is part of this vibe shift that is happening is that in like the mid mid to late aughts people were making music where the lyrics were like dance i like to dance we should all dance together and we i think that kind of fell off i feel like maybe bruno mars is trying to (laughs) hold up the mantle of that single-handedly but other than that everyone would just keep singing about how sad and upset they are and i just want more people to sing about how fun it is to party which i do think that all of the artists that you mentioned that i think they a lot of those people have that in common that they will just have songs that are like this party is fun sure yeah i mean i i i've always been drawn like daft punk is like the first music artist that i can say that i was like a fan of before that my music tastes were just oh classic rock because that's the channel of the radio my parents have the car on uh and daft yep. punk was like the first music artist where it's like oh this is what it's like to like enjoy music uh and then from <laughs> since then you know in middle school when I came to that uh you know I've always enjoyed the the whole like um you know French electronic scene and all that um with yeah. Justice and Ed Banger and all that but I think I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into myself but I I think a reason I like it as well both in Daft Punk and Justice and you know some of these other like you said that have more very you know kind of surface level just fun you know, not too emotional lyrics are because my, me, my, like myself, when I've dabbled in, in music and stuff like that, I cannot bring myself to write anything serious or like emotional because I just cringe at the, at the, (laughs) the pretense of it all. And so I feel like a part of me also is enjoys this music that lacks any of that, you know, pretension and, and self-obsession, you know, you could call it. Uh, and lack of, you know, uh, it's being self-critical where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you're talking about breakups and emotions and it's just like, you know, embarrassing to a degree, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yep. I feel like maybe yep. that's why I like and gravitate towards this, you know, indie sleaze era type stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's I feel like the uh, there's like a Internet comeback that it's like it's not that deep. But like that's how I feel about this kind of music in in the like aesthetic sense of like it's not you know super heavy or like uh, ponderous or whatever like it's just like it's it's fun it's just fun and fun is good. Fun. There was a time when we had fun. There was a time when we had fun and and that fun was good. That should be a slogan <laughs> for like Six Flags. <laughs> there was a oh, time yeah. when we had fun and that that six flags like comes back with like a really hard-hitting like nostalgia bait commercial and it's like there was a yeah. time it's like a southern accent like guy and he's like there was a time when we had uh, when there was fun and that fun was good come down to six yeah. flags and rediscover that fun <laughs> come on come on down i love it i i would that's a good good Don Draper pitch. I will, I, I approve. Uh, a question, an indie sleaze style question that okay. 
it's very, very like uh, focused and specific on one specific style clothing accessory item. And okay. I think it might be indie sleaze or at least adjacent. But I also wanted to bring it up because I feel like I've never heard anyone talk about it in a major way, even though it was a completely like a super like for a little while, like a year, super prevalent trend that I mm. never understood then and still don't understand now and want to dive into real quick. Okay. Do you understand what I mean if I were to say hair feather? Hair feather. Yes, I do. The the little like frilly uh, thing you put you put in your hair that I feel like Kesha was a big or like a proponent of the hair feather. Right. Am I, and, am I right? And a lot of them were like very thin and like stripey or like, you know, like a raccoon stripe yeah. almost. Yeah. That was yeah. like a big thing. That was, was that Indie Sleaze adjacent? I would, I would put that in Indie Sleaze. And this, I think what it maybe connects to, you know, you, you said in your, your initial kind of encapsulation of the Indie Sleaze aesthetic of, of maximalism and this was a very maximal, ma- maximal, ma- maximalistic time. And that was like, you know, you basically look at yourself in the mirror and like, what what can I embellish on every part of my body, including hair? And I think that uh, like the hair feather, if I remember correctly, like there was also a lot of uh, cultural appropriation in mm. fashion at this time. You know, this was the time when people were going to. Coachella wearing Native American headdresses and they were wearing like tribal paint and I put that in like huge quotation marks because it's basically just like smearing you know some eyeshadow across your face like it's not it's definitely not uh, located to any particular tribe uh, on planet earth but I think that 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 was a part of it of like uh, and I don't I don't know where it came from in particular other than it was maybe just a natural extension of the maximalism of like the early 2000s which was way more like uh how do i put it it was it was more like consumer um it was like oh well, there's a word for it and i'm not going to be able to remember it but it, just like taking enjoy and in, taking joy in consumerism right of, like, it was like bling blinged out bling. and and yeah flaunting Logos. the yeah flaunting yeah. the 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 you know pr- the wealth of it all yeah, like everything had a gigantic logo on it. Like all the everyone's handbag was gigantic and also had logos. And then that I think turned into this more maybe like somewhere I think somewhere between like bohemian and uh, just like roll, rolled out of the garbage can. Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah the the hair feather I think ties all of those things in where it's like I I literally need to uh, and uh, uh, the, I think the last piece of it is like not being so polished like i think uh late 90s into early 2000s was maybe a more a time of like trying to spend more money on the way you looked and like trying to be a bit fancy and this is more like no i'm a like weird muppet that like yeah. a thrift store muppet and uh <laughs> i like i'm covered in like fuzz and goo <laughs> yeah. and i'm going to drink 13 PBRs and smoke a pack of parliaments like that yeah. that i think is there's a part of that too yeah like late 90s early 2000s was very much like aqua barbie girl like i'm a plastic mm-hmm. person perfect yeah. yeah person and yeah this is like you know I, I i came out of like a a bin at the thrift store yes exactly yeah okay yeah because there was like a period in my you know adolescence where i f- swear there was like every single girl you know 
that I was aware of had like hair feathers and I was like, what's up with what, what are, what are like, what kind of bird is that even supposed to be from? It's yellow. It's, it's, it's yellow and, 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 and teal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also think that the, like a hair feather or anything kind of somewhat removable of like extensions or like painting in like a streak or something or mm. beads or whatever, like is also a way to like dabble in an alternative look without going all the way. Like now I yeah. think I, I feel like the modern equivalent of that or the contemporary equivalent is like the TikTok hair trend that really burst during the pandemic where people died uh, this you know the strips of hair to either side of their right. face blonde and then dyed it colors did I do that for a brief period during the pandemic yes I did uh was I in my 30s when I did it yes I was you, you, I was very bored you e-girlified yourself I did I had to dabble and see what it was all about and you know the the bonus of everything was if it didn't look good or it looked weird then literally no one yeah. would see it because I wasn't seeing We're, anybody so you know, it, we all strive to to be e girls, in in a way, <laughs> we all strive for for that you know sense of validation and uh, yeah and sparkle in our life. Uh, yeah. I I cannot wait if if it doesn't exist already. I'm I'm sure we'll get a uh, a like a, a doctoral thesis from someone uh, soon that's titled something like you know from Coachella to QAnon shaman appropriation of the headdress in 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 american culture or something that's really good that's really good i was about to say i wish that there was a job that was just like writing college thesis style papers over and over but i guess that's just like it's kind of like i don't know being a a columnist yeah a a blogger (laughs) that's just blogging you get a job at like rolling stone or something that's pretty much what they do that in interviews right yeah, or like you know, Huffington Post. That that was what it was all about when that when that first got started. They were just throwing money at everyone, being like, mm-hmm. "Do you have an opinion on something?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd you, love you I'd, I'd love one of those jobs where they just like write an article about something. Yeah, um, yeah, that'd be great. Bring yeah. that back uh, instead of a you know a listicle about you know the eight best characters in. Uh, um, ted lasso or whatever i had i for like a couple months last summer until they they decided to cut ties for quote creative differences i wrote for like one of those sort of like uh pop culture listicle type websites and i got Uh to the point where you know in between trying to write actual like good like analysis of like movies and stuff i decided what if i do a listicle but like i do it in a way that like is so weird and fun that it like makes it not being a listicle so bad and i did um but it was like the top eight episodes that that show which seinfeld main character would win in a death match and it was basically (laughs) highlighting like eight seinfeld episodes to to see between kramer elaine george and jerry which one of them would um win in a death match yeah yeah, that's that's good content. That's what the internet used to be all about, and it's been totally like, yeah. no, no one gets paid to do that anymore. That's yeah. for sure. And that's if if it were up to me, I would start basically like a a government like subsidized council on on uh, thought thought blogging. That's great. We need that, like just like how you know Canada and the UK have like arts, you know, commissions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We need a blog commission. Yep. So, let me ask you now: What is I'll, I'll, it's a twofold in terms of indie sleeves for you personal preference mm. what is your favorite staple indie sleeve clothing piece 
Uh-huh. And what's a, 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 a song or an artist in terms of music that is your favorite staple piece from that period as well? Okay, great. Uh, clothing. Let me think. So th- this is where I did, I feel like I engaged in a more realistic way with indie sleeves because like you know a lot of it came out of these scenes in new york and la of like these parties that were happening and you know like steve aoki was djing and then uh, the cobra snake would take pictures of it and then it would show up on his website and i was the one looking at the website so i wasn't at the parties but i was uh, certainly uh experiencing it secondhand which i think is how most people maybe were and so the outfits then the outfit inspiration came from that to what I was trying to wear in like late high school and then call or early college. And I think I have to go with, I feel like the American, you, do you know the American apparel, like the U dress? It's a, it, it's a, it was a staple from American apparel. It's like a short sleeve, extremely tight spandex dress with like, uh, you know, dips in the front and back. If you like, if you ate anything at all that day, like <laughs> everyone would know, like, and like what you ate, like you would have like a Chipotle burrito, like visible on your body. Uh-huh. Uh, it was an, it was not a forgiving item of clothes. And it was also made of like cotton. That was just the, the thinnest material ever, but I'm looking it, up a picture it of went it with now. Everything. So yeah, okay. I know I, it, it's definitely a, I, it, it, it's, if you can pull it off, I say that's a good one to go it go for it. And it layered great because that, to go back to the maximalism, it was all about like wearing this like weird tight dress and then, but then like maybe putting like a t shirt over it and like tying up the t shirt right. and then like wearing that over tights. Right. And then maybe like, dare I say, like some leg warmers. Like you could really go because the 80s were like a huge, obviously, like inspiration fashion wise at this time. Right. So like that, that was like the, the staple piece that I felt like every time I walked into, I don't know if you, ever made it into an American apparel before it, uh, before they died. But the, that feeling of walking into the American apparel with like $30 to burn, AKA, AKA like one shirt. Uh, and they're playing the like Ed Banger style music on their, uh, proprietary radio station. And you get the nod from the kind of evil looking cashier. <laughs> that, that was what, that was what Indy Sleaze is all about. That, that's where, you know, if it, it, that was the democratic part of it where you could right. like kind of buy into the aesthetic as opposed to just be naturally cool, which I am not. I think I've figured out after all these years that I'm definitely not. Uh, that's my, that's my fashion pick. Very interesting. I, I, uh, first off, let me ask, because in terms of, uh, like stores and clothing, I'm, I'm mostly oblivious. I buy like 75 to 85% of my clothes at Old Navy. So when you said American Apparel died, is that like a metaphoric, like, oh, it's not the same or are are they like actually closed, closed? I believe they're closed, closed. They talk about Indy Sleaze, the guy who ran it, Dove Charney got, had like lots of allegations of uh, sexual impropriety. Yeah. Was he the guy with like the ridiculous looking chin and like giant head? Yeah. That's, okay. That's, that's, I do that's, remember yeah. that now. Okay. And I, I'm pretty sure he just got lawsuited enough. I'm, this is where I had to fact, my, fact check myself, but I think he got lawsuited enough into oblivion that he was no longer able to like hold on to the company. And then it got sold to a Canadian company, and now it has come back as Los Angeles apparel. <laughs> so it still exists, but in a, in a much more... Um, I, w- I would say like a weakened position. It doesn't have the cultural like cachet or I think even just the, the good clothes that it used to. Sure. It's had yeah. the soul sucked, sucked from it. It did. Yeah. 
the, uh, and all the all the perverted energy yeah, sucked out of it the, as well. The depervertified, and it killed the soul of it at the same time. Yeah, it's called yeah. a. It's called a. You know, it's a. It's a. I don't even know. It's like a reverse silver lining. <laughs> it's like a. It's like <laughs> yeah. a good thing that has a, a bad, slightly bad minuscule part of it yeah uh, it's like a uh I don't, I don't know if i'm pronouncing this right but this is, i can bring my like stupid not it's a perfect victory where you know you win but you take you don't you really lose at the same time okay everyone loses yeah sure uh very good i'd say for me the obviously i spoke about music already and we've established that for me the clothing piece piece yeah. that i from you know like these pictures and stuff that i i picked up on from the style i love like the uh the like the cool leggings of the time i love the, oh like, yeah the shiny mm-hmm. leggings and like the the galaxy print leggings and all the cool leggings I, I i definitely dig those those are pretty cool i think yeah the i mean the metallic like uh like lame was such a thing then and i i also want that to come back because i think it's just it's just fun mm-hmm. um also like i i they were sort of the the beginning of the end of what I think indie sleaze was, or they were the commodification of it in a way. Was LMFAO, who's yeah. a, a duo that I'm completely obsessed with, but they, you know, they they commodified that look of like the crazy leggings and the you know like leotards and like the bomber jackets and all that stuff, True. and headbands and and I think they they picked up on something that I think you could qualify as like underground, and then you, they made it so kind of unbelievably corny that they just like again suck, they sucked out of the like they sucked all the the juice out of it and right. left you know just a bunch of people feeling embarrassed but i i love the leggings i i think the leggings should come back yeah i i do like the leggings do you have a music pref uh you know song or group or you know artist from that time that 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 you that would be your like favorite or go to I think one, it might not be like my favorite in terms of like uh, stands the test of time and I listen to it all the time, but I think maybe the most emblematic song for me of that era is Uffy, Pop the Glock. Do you know Oh, yeah, Uffy's great. Yeah, I mean, she's all involved with like um, Ed Banger, so. Yeah, Yeah, I remember in in classic form or at least at this time like i i'm from vermont uh my my internet at home just like wasn't very i had dial-up internet until 2008 <laughs> like i was really struggling on the whole like page loading and music downloading thing so oftentimes i would read about a cultural phenomenon in a magazine before i would read about it even online or be able to like actually listen to a song that was popular but i remember reading about uh, pop the clock on like it was maybe like hipster runoff or something and then when I finally listened to it I was like what is this like this is the weirdest song ever why does she want to sound like this like mm-hmm. is this supposed to be dance music like what's going on and then it just totally grew on me like it like a fungus like I, I so I some songs that I if I don't like them if I actively dislike them it means that I'm going to like them a lot right. very soon and that was definitely one of them and I do feel like it it uh it exemplified that just kind of totally chaotic attitude of like this, this little like I think she's pr- French like Parisian possibly like yeah this chick rhyming about popping the Glock like even that is completely <laughs> nonsensical uh, unless yeah. she does have some sort of a uh, 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 criminal past that yeah. I'm not aware of uh, I don't think so so yeah yeah I it's, I, I it's feel like perfect. that same vibe could be said for um, Peaches and fuck the pain away right. 
Yes, yes. That's another perfect example. And that, yeah, just the way that these are distributing, that they, they kind of sound homemade, like they sound like they were made on a laptop right. uh, or like with some kind of broken uh, like drum machine or whatever, and then they get distributed on like MySpace and then right. everyone finds out about it. Yeah. Supposedly, uh, Justice made their first album on GarageBand, you know, obviously using lots of actual synths and plugins mm-hmm. and stuff but like as a bass used garage fan does the software at least that's that the rumor i've always heard the i if i recall correctly i think grimes's first album and maybe her first couple were made on uh made on garage band i know i feel like i unfortunately have to uh uh what d de- de- what's divest de- from yeah. crimes disavow as a concept. disavow yeah. yeah excommunicate from my personal like I just I re- separate the art from the artist, yeah. maybe. But uh, her, I mean, her early tunes can't be denied. Separate her... the grime from the grimes. Separate the grime from the grimes, indeed. My style in this flow is confusing because you don't know. Pop the glock, the glock you pop. If you had a line, it's your bank pop. Pop the glock, the glock you pop. If you had a line, it's your bank pop. Pop the glock, the glock you pop. If you had a line, it's your bank pop. Off is banging. I know you've mentioned and I listened to the most recent and introducing where you did talk to your friend um, who runs Flux Blog. And so that does yeah. seem to be quite a, you know, significant and, and influential place in terms of, you know, even b- since before Andy Sleaze and since, um, you know, documenting music specifically culture. But mm-hmm. uh, specifically for Andy Sleaze, what would be some do you have any recommended reading blogs, you know, whatever, maybe from that actual time that you feel are incredibly emblematic that for someone younger like me who would want to go back mm-hmm. and like I, I open the open the ancient text and and, and, ancient and, text. and find the forbidden knowledge from the time period itself to get the real vibe of, of something written in the moment? Do you have any thoughts or, or ideas of of, you know, sources from that time? That's a great question because I know like Hipster Runoff, for example, speaking of Grimes, uh, like did like a, a internet hacking attack and like destroyed Hipster Runoff. So I actually don't even know how much historically is uh, is up and live, which is too bad. The internet is now littered with graveyards of broken links, which is very sad mm-hmm. to me. Another government uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> initiative I need to start Honest, is no, to fix, we should fix de- the broken links. Definitely, like, uh, yeah, nationalize um, internet, like the Internet Archive and Internet, like the Wayback Machine. Make that, yeah. like, a government-subsidized, like, thing where it's, like, the, the Department of uh, Internet Preservation or something. <laughs> Seriously, I think we need it. Uh in terms of like our archival stuff, it's not writing, but it w- I think it is just a great sense of what what everything looked like is looking at the Cobra Snakes archives, which I'm pretty sure he still has them up if you just go to like the cobrasnake.com and like go back in the in the pages. The weird thing is part of the Indie Sleeves revival is he's coming back as like a booked and busy photographer. Mm. I feel like there were like ten years where he was kind of like not not in the mix and now he's like he's he's back at it so i'm i'm i just i loaded his page i'm like oh these are like current things that he's taking photos of but the early stuff is really great i have a book recommendation that i think is from this time and i think is a good kind of fictional uh it's it's fiction but i think it describes this uh um 
this era pretty well. And I, I basically just stand. It's called Miss Misery. It's by Andy Greenwald. Uh, if you know of Andy Greenwald's work, he was at the ringer for a really long time. Like he was, uh, you know, doing like music and pop culture writing. And then he did a like post Game of Thrones show for a while. <laughs> you know, me, if you're going to have a long career in the media, you got you, I guess you got to like do shit like this. Yeah. But he wrote a novel called Miss Misery and it came out in 2006, which would have been right at the cusp of this whole thing coming out. Right. And it's about this guy who's like a music writing, a music writer, kind of like a dork living in Brooklyn. And it's like the live journal era, which is, I, I don't know if, if you, do, you, do you know live journal? I, I know of it. I, I It's very much before my time, but I'm aware of that it existed and what it was. Live journal was, yeah, it was basically just like personal diary blogging back before people had any idea of like what the power of the internet was in terms of like writing people's full names or right. like writing about people and then realizing that they could read it. Stuff like, you know, just like basic privacy right. and like visibility stuff. But uh, I, I loved Live Journal. That was a very like, you know, emo, emo girl, emo boy thing to do. But anyway, in this novel, this guy starts a Live Journal where he basically creates like an alternate ego of the life that he wants to live. And then that ego becomes real. And he has this like doppelganger running through Brooklyn, living this indie sleaze lifestyle. Oh. Uh, it's really good. I, I read it when it came out uh, and I have reread it. We reread it once afterwards and it holds up in a very particular way but i feel like if people want to know what what people cared about at this time like what the what the vibes were i would highly recommend miss misery by andy greenwald very interesting yeah no i'll definitely look into that um very interesting okay from here i want to do this is our final big uh thing so let me pose this to you what is the culture slash vibe shift is it indie sleaze where where are we going what is it what what do we look for uh what are your thoughts this is a great is a great question and i did i read i read that that article about the vibe shift which i think was in new york magazine or or some such there's a lot of uh, i think there there's how do, how do I put this? There's a lot of technology right now that is enabling trend forecasting, right? Like that person that we were talking about at, at Old Loser in Brooklyn on TikTok. Like there's no, it's never been easier to kind of position yourself as an expert in, in vibes, right? Like uh, a, a vibe expert uh, speaking from a position of knowledge on, you know, TikTok or on Twitter or whatever. And yet I think that that's the thing that people need to let go of in order to really enjoy the vibe shift. I think that we've been, I say this as someone who is quite online is I actually do think that we've gotten too online. I do think that their like identities have gotten way too uh, wrapped up in like whatever platform you happen to be using. I think Instagram in a lot of ways was the death of indie sleaze. Instagram came out in 2011, 10. Uh, and Instagram is all about like taking the most idealized angles of your life and sharing them with people basically to make them to, to, to say what you're doing and to be proud of, but also to make people feel uh, envious. I think that's the, the engine that Instagram basically runs on. And so if Instagram came up and kind of killed indie sleaze as it was, I think the next step in like the vibe shift is killing Instagram and killing all of those apps that are about like creating a persona as a brand that needs to like adhere to a certain type of brand standards. I basically want total internet chaos. Like I want more shit posting. I want more like anonymous accounts. I want more, you know, like more discord, less Twitter. 
I just I want people to just like go outside and do whatever they want and then go on the internet and do whatever they want but not have to worry about how those two connect does that make sense absolutely <laughs> that was a lot of talking no definitely absolutely I I I was just imagining for a second there when you were saying like I, I was imagining like uh in, in like Fight Club when like Tyler Durden is addressing like his like underlings where he'd be like I want more shit posts I want more discord <laughs> <laughs> they're like in the basement of the house making soap oh god oh that's it though that is so, that is so funny that's I just if, if I can see from the millennial standpoint if there's one thing that I do feel like has really poisoned the brains of people in my generation it is the idea that you need to put that you as an identity and you as an identity on the internet need to be 100% one in the same and that like you kind of owe the internet all the information about yourself and then mm-hmm. vice versa. And I just think that kills fun. It kills creativity. It kills chaos, which is something that after like two years of being inside and like shut down, I think we need like way more uh, like a fun version of chaos, not not the horrible version of chaos that we seem mm-hmm. to be experiencing every day. So yeah, I th- I just think that uh, the the way I pinpoint it is that uh, in the indie sleaze era, y- you were taking pictures of other people with your like point and shoot camera and posting them, and now you take all your own pictures of yourself and you're controlling your own image. And I want more of the latter thing again. Mm-hmm. I want uh, pe- people's identities to like kind of leave their own. Uh, spheres of control sure uh i definitely more more fun music about having fun and partying (laughs) yeah let's get fucking move on from the sad bedroom bullshit we have to do the fun bedroom dance party fun bedroom dance party i'm i'm 100 there for that um i'll say that uh i did so like in terms of this culture vibe shift in terms of purely clothing I did mm. in college, you know, going to an art college, um, I did see heavily, heavily, you know, I, I graduated last year, March. So, you know, the, the previous last year through the previous four years, you know, pandemic, you know, notwithstanding, uh, yeah. I did see a lot of the kind of precursor or, you know, what's kind of going out now, which was like mm. the art, like we mentioned, the late 90s, early 2000s, sort of like you know revitalization of the like you know low rise you know jeans and the the like the juicy tracksuit and the you know the like you know britney spears kind of you know bling paris hilton type vibe thing i definitely saw a lot of that like especially with like fashion majors and stuff that was like a huge thing during my time at college um Obviously, I do think that's kind of now on the the way out. And up until literally yesterday, you know, this whole indie sleaze idea, I I couldn't have said, oh, I I think there's like a big thing for this coming, you know, into fashion. But then Mm -hmm. like I was outside waiting in line for something. Yes, literally yesterday. And this girl, you know, about my age or maybe slightly older, you know, parks her, uh, you know, I I don't mean to be judgmental, but I'm assuming, you know, fairly well off financially by this car because she's driving like, you know, like a late 80s, like, you know, nice Mercedes kind of retro, you know, two seater type of a car. 
uh, which, you know, I assume she either didn't earn all the money she bought it with or something. Uh, but she gets yeah. out and she's wearing, you know, she's kind of wearing like the loose knit, like, uh, you know, sweater. And then the kind of, um, you know, not skinny jeans, but like, you know, kind of high waisted jeans. And then she was wearing like black and teal blue cowboy boots that had like mm-hmm. a heel on them, like a stiletto mm-hmm. type heel. And I was like, <laughs> that's, that's Indy sleaze. And I'm, and oh, I, yeah. I don't know if this is like, I wasn't paying attention. And now that I like have the awareness of it, it's that thing where like, Oh, you start noticing it once you, you know, read about it. Uh, yeah. you know, once it's on your mind, but like, I was like, holy shit, that's absolutely like, feels like it fits, you know, it's the, the cowboy boots being like the, the main thing of the outfit. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I I think the, those kind of elements I'm, I am starting to notice too. And like, in terms of being judgmental, I think that I would also love that to be a part of the vibe shift is that, you know, when I was in my late teens, early twenties, and this was happening in a lot, a lot of it was very eighties. I remember grumbling, like seeing some grumblings of Gen X people being like, why would you want to dress like it's the eighties? Like that time sucked. Like you guys are idiots. And I'm seeing it again with millennials making fun of, you know, Gen Z people dressing early two thousands or, you know, with the hints of indie sleeves of being like, uh, like you idiots, why are you wearing low slung pants? Like those look horrible. And I'm like, I think I just I would rather have people look interesting than boring. And I think we have come off some of the most like fought like the last five years of clothing has been really boring. Uh, <laughs> like the tasteful athleisure that came off the end of the Obama era was like I, I participated in it. Uh, but I'm just like there, there was a time for that. It worked when it worked and it's over. And I would rather just I would rather people look stupid than uh, than boring. Right. And so I'm 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 pro that in, what, sure. in whatever form that takes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no authority whatsoever, as I mentioned earlier, to speak about fashion because I wear like have worn the same style since like high school. <laughs> yeah. I just that's, I mean, I think that's that that's a choice in and of itself, though. You know, yeah. I feel like consistency is is a style choice that yeah. cannot be discounted. I just wear a T-shirt and jeans. And then since coming coming out as, as trans, sometimes it'll just be a skirt instead of jeans. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, it, going off of what you said about the the, you know, caring less about the presentation, you know, yeah. in terms of the shift, I do think and I wrote this down and I. You know, I can't say necessarily I think it's a good thing, but I absolutely 100% understand where it's coming from. Um, I do think there's going to be, as sort of a reaction to the last, you know, five to ten years, um, you know, I guess four or five, six years specifically, there's going to be, I feel like there's this shift towards younger people my age kind of becoming very nihilistic and carefree and disconnected in terms of, like, politically and like yep. and like uh you know social issue wise where there where you know it's just kind of gonna be like you know checked out not caring you know focus on myself uh sort of a reaction to 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 one you know the the kind of pressure of the so-called you know identity politics and whatever as well mm. as a reaction to you know like we're seeing now with with the abortion stuff the you know seeming you know inaction and 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 you know lack of help from the the government so you know i feel like people my age are just for one reason or another just going to be like starting to check out and 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 not care about 
to the extent that it has been like the last, you know, five to 10 years. Yeah, that is because that that I think that's accurate in terms of what happened kind of the last time, you know, the Indie Sleaze era was enough post 9-11 that people were still like uh, post 9-11 you know Iraq war going strong uh, then just top it all off with like the financial crash and yeah the the kind of natural youth response to that much kind of socio-political stress is like distance and irony and so yeah I, I totally I totally see that happening especially I feel like this this uh, particular round of uh of fuckery seems worse to me than it certainly did mm-hmm. 10 10 plus years ago uh, um, I don't I don't know how to fix it uh I I wish uh I if if there could be any way to like thread the needle in terms of you know if if part of kind of distracting oneself from how shitty the world is, is like partying and having fun of treating it like a collective communal experience as opposed to an individual one. I feel like that might be a way around it. I don't really know how to encourage people to do that, but uh, maybe that's something to make some TikToks about and point at the air and dance and put some text <laughs> yeah. on screen and be <laughs> and you know tell people to you know when when you party look out for your fellow your fellow uh, humans with right. you right yeah sure I mean I'd love to see that as well I mean that would be good that would um, be good but who knows what who knows if that'll be with it uh, regardless things things do be changing though they do. <laughs> They well, certainly do. I guess, you know, I'd say that's the close, close the book on, on, you know, what indie sleaze in terms of analysis. Cause I think we just, you know, I think we just covered it all. I mean, I say yeah, print, they don't... print out this conversation, <laughs> publish it. It's, it's, it's the definitive text. We'll se- send it to Harper's Bazaar and yeah. say, Harper, uh, take down that old article. You don't need it. Uh, you can use this. I'll start off with the line. Damn, girl, you looking pretty bizarre. <laughs> Damn, Harper. <laughs> Damn, Harper, you're looking pretty bizarre. Uh, but yeah, that glad glad we could glad you could join me to to get to the bottom of this uh, the cultural uh, anthropology, you know, mystery question. Of course, Th- thank you so much for having me. It was yeah, it, it was delightful to talk about this. It, it was great to have you, uh, and you know I encourage all of our listeners, all five of them, uh, to <laughs> go and listen to and introducing. It's a wonderful podcast uh, about music and the writing about said music. Um, specifically, I'll say the 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 series you guys did on the. Um, I'm blanking on it now. The, the is that our our band could be your yeah, life? yeah our band could be your life yeah that, I'm like our only series the, the, the one you did yeah yeah, uh, yeah. I, that was a wonderful series I really enjoyed it um, since then I've I've it, I, I I'm I've, I'm someone who has a trouble saying uh, oh this is a band I like because I always feel like a poser I feel like I have to like have been listening to them for like you know at least a somewhat long period of time but I'm definitely. Uh, Mission of Burma has 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 come into my music listening since I listened to that like you know last year, and oh, uh, hell yeah. so I really appreciated that. And you know, in general, talking about artists and music that you know I'm maybe aware of but have never you know thought about on a serious degree. So it's just a super interesting show. So I recommend everyone listen to it. And thank you for for doing it. 
Yeah, thanks thanks for the the kind words. Yeah, you can find it uh, wherever podcasts are found um, for free. Uh, <laughs> no, no paywall. You know, there's enough paywalls in life, right? Yes. Uh, so something's something's got to be free. So yeah, and introducing. And then, as mentioned, you do videos for the alternative, uh, which are also very interesting, uh, well-made videos on music, uh, specifically indie artists, interviews, and whatnot. Um, that they have that can just be found on the YouTube channel, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. If you look up, it's uh, I think Get Alternative is the like slug of the channel. But yeah, just look up uh, get, getalternative.com. And then from there, there's like a little, little tab that says YouTube. And that's that's where my videos live. And you've also been doing some, as as mentioned throughout this episode, blogging. You've been doing some some blogging yourself. You've been throwing it back, so to speak, haven't you? I have. Yeah. And part, you know, I don't know if it's embarrassing or whatever to relay it to kind of the like is Elon Musk going to buy Twitter and ruin it thing but it it, it did it, that news did spark me to be like you know what what if instead of making a thread uh which I feel like no, basically nobody likes on Twitter especially when you use a thread emoji uh uh what if I blogged instead what if I wrote a couple of paragraphs so yeah sure. I've been I've been blogging over using using Tumblr as a as the engine for that but that's that's the mollyzone.com great and that's a good name i love a i love a zone i love a web zone thank you so much thank you all of those of course i will link in the description um once again thanks for joining me molly and and getting to the bottom of of indie sleaze and the culture shift hell yeah indie sleaze for forever molly uh listeners i'll leave you with this uh indie sleaze indie sneeze give me all your blog posts please Thank you. I know if you come.